0: afternoon, everyone. Um, The first reading today will be from the book of Hosea, chapter 14, verses 1 to 9. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously, that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree, his fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Men will dwell again in his shade. He will flourish like the grain. He will blossom like a a vine, and his fame will be like the wine from Lebanon. O Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a green pine tree. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? He will realize these things. Who is discerning? He will understand them. The ways of the Lord are right, the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. The second reading will be taken from the book of John, chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. This is the word of the Lord.
1: For reading there, which, uh, <laughs> which got snuck in. Before um, uh, Bishop Neve preaches for us, I'm going to send the kids out. Kids can go with Aunty Laura and Aunty Jackie to Inner West Kids. I'm going to pray for them as they go. Uh, Father, we thank you for our kids. We thank you um, that they are little disciples growing up to know and love Jesus. We pray that today they will have a a great experience of who you are and what you've done for them uh, through the teaching. Amen. Thank you, Bishop Jean. It is good to be able to be here with you this afternoon um, on this Palm Sunday. And as we um, look to Jesus' suffering, death and passion, sorry, suffering, death and resurrection, it is really worth noticing how Matthew frames it. He really wants to press home that the Messiah of Israel, the one promised by God, is entering his capital city. St. Matthew tells us that the whole City was shaken. So it's dramatic. Chapter 14 has some, of Hosea has something to say about what it means to keep to the heart of our faith, keep our confidence in the purposes of God, the God who loves, which can be difficult in anxious times, and when there's a lot of things going on that you're not sure what it's all about. Today also, of course, where I'm receiving Carla. And, Carla, it's worth remembering what you're really doing as you come to be received. What you're really doing is affirming your intention of living out your baptismal promises in the context of here, this inner west congregation. And in wherever that journey takes you, it's important. You know, how do you keep your confidence in God? How do you uh, keep your confidence in the heart of your faith? We can all be on a journey at times that is challenging and I know for, for the inner west at times, there's challenges just thinking you've been on a journey through COVID with location as well, haven't you? So let alone what other people have been thinking about with, with COVID and so on like that, you've been on a journey um, around uh, location. And it always is coming back to you, isn't it? In wherever life takes us, wherever our journey takes us, Jesus, as he enters Jerusalem... How do you keep to the heart of your faith? Keep our confidence, our trust in the purposes of God. Well, the message of Hosea is as you draw near to God, God is there. God loves you. He's there for for you. God is steadfast to that love. And what this chapter does is draw all the themes of Hosea together, really, and ends on a very strong note of hope and challenge. It's worth remembering as I reminded you before, the, of the promises made at our baptism. The key promises we make or are made on our behalf or con- as, a, as a child and we confirm them, if that's the case, when we're older. But the key promises are, you're not going to say them today, but that's really what you're harking back to, I turn to Christ, I repent of my sins. Or to put it in terms of our reading from Hosea Hosea this morning, return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Now you will have been hearing that message of return throughout the book. But that is it in a nutshell, what enables us to keep to the heart of our faith, keep our confidence in the purposes of God, the God who for us is revealed in Jesus Christ, Return to the Lord your God. Turn to Christ. Turn away from sin. And as we were reminded in the title of the series, and as you know, having spent these last Sundays looking at Hosea, one of the primary motives of this book is love, God's love for Israel. The prophet Hosea is native to the northern kingdom of Israel. In fact, he's the um, only one in the Old Testament. And he's focusing mostly on the final decades of the the life of the northern kingdom. And Hosea repeatedly expresses the conviction conviction that God loves Israel like a spouse. If you think of those first three chapters, Hosea's marriage to Gomer, and later in the book, As a parent, Hosea chapter 11, when Israel was a child I loved him and out of Egypt I called my son. There are two key concerns, aren't there, challenging that love. Israel getting caught up with alliances, conflicting alliances, they've been playing a double game involving the Egyptians They're the ones who supply the horses in verse 3 of chapter 14 today, so they're not mentioned specifically, but that's what that's about. And the Assyrians, and also for the associated Baal worship, worshipping other gods. God longs for Israel to trust in him, not put their trust in alliances with other nations or other gods, to return to him, to know him, to love him, And God has made the promise to be there for Israel. He did that in chapter 5. Then I will return to my lair until they have borne their guilt. Turn back to God. God is there. And throughout the book, this is the longed-for outcome of God's judgment that Israel would return to the Lord, their God. God is beckoning Return Israel to the Lord your God. Or more basically, turn. So, very much in keeping with these baptismal promises. Israel has time and time again turned the wrong way. So, any response to that great call of chapter six, come, let us return to the Lord, has only been shallow. In passing, Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God, chapter 5 has told us. That is, their actions speak louder than words and really show where their heart lies, where their preference is. And they are proud. Chapter 7. In fact, there has been a flat refusal to respond. They've been bent on turning away from me, as chapter 11 puts it turn a simple word a strong word embracing in theological terms repentance and conversion as well as reconciliation i turn to christ i repent of my sins that is turning away from god and following my own path i turn back from following the path of selfish living and all that is false and unjust, which puts me at the centre as number one, in other words, rather than Jesus. I reject all that. I turn away from it. I renounce Satan and all evil. I turn to Christ, reconcile to him. So all that is contained in the promises we make at our baptism. God doesn't give up. If their repentance has been shallow, God will deepen it. So even though there's all of that going through the chapters of Hosea, when we come to this final chapter, there is real longing, warmth. It's an emphatic form of the word return that is used there in verse 1. It's been a long time since I've done Hebrew, so I'm relying on commentators for that. And the preposition too is strong. I did do four years of Hebrew though, but it's a long while ago. We could almost translate it, O turn Israel, right back to the Lord, your God. And even the familiar words, your God, there's an intensity in that against all deserving In the face of all the broken loyalties, the marriage holds. God is still hers, Israel's. The Lord loves the people of Israel, though they turn to other gods, as chapter 3 puts it. Loves them to the end, despite what they do. And of course, we see the truth of this in the events of Easter, don't we? I mean, today, we heard people shout, Hosanna to the son of David. And maybe they even meant it at the time they were shouting. But it's actually only on Friday that you will hear people shout, crucify him, as they have handed him over to the Romans. Yet Jesus obeys the call going to his death. And we do see here in Hosea that God's call as much as long God longs for us to respond to that call it is an exacting call. I'm glad that you're making your commitment to the Anglican Church of Australia and I hope that the people here will very much support you where your call has taken you now, Carla, and where it will lead you in the future. Because it is. It's an exacting call. You heard that in chapter 12. But you must return to your God, maintain love and justice and wait for your God always. Chapter 12, it focused more on the love and justice. This chapter focuses more on the wait continually for your God. So, verse 2 take words with you and return to the Lord. Words of repentance without reservations or excuses, rather than denying or minimizing. And I actually find in my own life, it's really only as I wait on the Lord that I think I'm stopped from minimising or denying because when I'm in a rush it's very easy somehow to excuse myself and make light but if I actually stop and wait on the Lord, that is much harder. All the way through this book there is this contrast between meaningful, genuine encounter versus the formalities and offerings which people try to substitute for him. Say to him, forgive all your sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of the lips. More literally, that is, take, accept what is good. So take words with you of repentance and plead that God will take them, accept them for what they are, the offerings from the lips of God and the heart, that, that, that God will accept what God is requiring of his people, which is, as we've been reminded in chapter 6, God desires mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings, a message which Jesus has reinforced in Matthew when he's responding to attacks by the Pharisees, a message reflected in another of our baptismal promises to love God and our neighbor as ourselves Jesus summary of our law, of the law and an expression the writer to the hebrews picks up on explicitly in chapter 13 through Jesus therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that openly profess his name and for that to be genuine it requires a turning from the old ways. For Israel, it is saying goodbye to political alliances and false gods, futile hopes and false beliefs, in other words, turning away from not taking God seriously. Now, you might be thinking, that's not me. But as long as what our own hands have made, whatever that is for you, whether it's money, whether it's all the work that you do, whether it's even all the ministry that you do, as long as what our own hands have made is more important to us than the one who made these hands, then that verse is just as relevant for you. Rather than being able to say to God with Hosea, for in you the fatherless, find compassion, verse 3 or as the New English Bible translates it, for us, the the fatherless finds a father's love, which of course is taking us back to the prophet's broken marriage and disowned daughter, Lohuruma, which means unloved. And she is renamed, Ruhama. She is loved. Grace. That's what we see come out in the next verses so clearly. As you draw near to God, you will find God is already there for you. Because as God goes on to promise, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely for my anger turned away from them. Very clear. Clarity does help overcome anxiety. But the heart of it is grace. I will love them freely. In fact, it's one of the purest expressions of what we call grace as Christians. Not chapter nine, I will love them no more. Here God is saying, no, I'll be there. I will love them freely. And the poetry which follows, and it is pure poetry, its image from nature gives us a picture of what it means to be reconciled to God. picture of life, really, pointing us beyond the events of this week, really, to the resurrection. Freshness, with the dew, with the flowers, with fragrance, with beauty, with shade. Stability, roots like the cedars of Lebanon. Flourishing, growing shoots and grain in abundance. And all brought together in verse 8, Ephraim, what more? Have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Ephraim. Can you remember what his name means? You had to have read Exodus recently, one of the sons of Joseph. It means, for God has made me fruitful. So what is really being said here is, live up, Ephraim Israel, to who you are. Again, there's a cry from the heart in it. Oh, Ephraim. And that picks up, of course, what shall I do with you? Oh, Ephraim chapter six, how can I give you up? O Ephraim chapter 11, you've heard it before. Here we're hearing the plea to accept God's invitation. Just as Jesus will plead with Jerusalem later in the week. O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem. In Matthew 23. God, not idols or Egypt or Assyria or Rome for that matter. Has all the constancy of the evergreen, all the richness of the fruit tree. What more has Ephraim, which is also translated, to do with idols? So live up to who you are. Ephraim does not need to look further than God, and neither do we. The prophecy, of course, is open ended. Israel might respond. Israel may not the response is hers to make as it is ours and so we suddenly get this last verse at the end which is not so much prophecy but wisdom it might be a postscript added we don't know who is wise let them realize these things who is discerning let them understand the ways of the Lord are right the righteous walk in them but the rebellious stumble in them So what does it mean for you to keep to the heart of your faith? Whatever life brings, wherever your journey takes you, confident in the purposes of God. It's keeping our confidence in the purposes of God, the God who loves us to the end, as revealed in Jesus Christ, turning to him, waiting on him, remaining in him.